So, we have been uh, going through a series uh, over the last several weeks in the book of Acts, and this is the last Sunday that uh, we're uh, going to be focusing uh, on that series, and uh, we're in uh, the 10th chapter of Acts, but uh, before we get to uh, some things, I want to talk a little bit about perspective. One of the big factors uh, that we uh, can grab hold of uh, with God's opportunities, uh, that one of those factors that, that's involved with that is perspective. We need to learn to see from God's perspective, uh, to be open to receive uh, visions from God. But before we get into that chapter, I want to talk a little bit about how perspectives can really make a difference in our life, in my life, and in your life. Uh, There's a TV show, there was one on that was a long time ago by, uh, and was uh, directed by a man named Art Linkletter. Don't know if you've ever heard of Art. Uh, It was called Kids Say the Darndest Things. And there's actually one that's still on that's in a new twist or a new version. Has anybody ever seen that? Because I think it's got the same title. Yeah, it's really sort of different than the way he did it. But, um, but it talks about how kids can sometimes see things very differently from adults and how sometimes that can be quite comical. I want to share a few of those uh, with you. Um, one uh, parent was talking about uh, the way his child saw, saw something very differently than he did. He was driving with th- three children in the back seat on a warm uh, summer's night and uh, a convertible passed them and as the convertible pulled back in front and was right in front of them, uh, a person stood up and and began to wave. And the person that was waving had absolutely no clothes on. And so the dad starts saying, as he was reeling with the the idea of someone stark naked in front of him, uh, he heard his five-year-old from the back seat say, hey, That lady's not wearing her (laughs) seatbelt. So another dad uh, says uh, his son, Zach, uh, who was four, came running out of the bathroom screaming uh, because he had dropped his toothbrush in the toilet. And so the dad fished the toothbrush out of the toilet and uh, and actually then just turned and threw it in the garbage can. And then the the little boy, Zach, ran back into... uh, the bathroom and came out with another toothbrush and it was the dad's toothbrush and he said uh with a smile on his face sort of charming and says maybe you should throw that one away too it fell in the toilet four days ago <laughs> Ooh, you know one of those cringe moments and immediately going to get you know listerine uh. anyway a mom uh was trying to get ketchup out of a bottle and you may have heard this one because it's certainly been around for a long time uh, was trying to get ketchup out of a bottle, and you know those times where the ketchup just won't move. Uh, you know, anticipation was a commercial a long time ago, many, many moons ago, about trying to get that ketchup to move. And as she was struggling, you know, giving it the fist pound on the bottom to, to get that ketchup to move, uh, the phone rang, and the four-year-old daughter answered the phone and said, Mommy, Mommy, it's the preacher from the church. Before the mom could say, well, set, tell the preacher to hold on, she said, Mom can't come to the phone right now. She's hitting the bottle. quite open to perspective there in different ways. And I read those uh, to you and share those with you to impress how largely uh, a matter of perspective can make a difference uh, in in our lives. And it relates a little bit then to chapter 10 and Acts as we hear one of the most striking perspectives really in the entire uh, Bible. It tells of God working in the heart and life of a a man uh, named uh, Cornelius. He's a centurion, sort of like a Roman army captain, so to speak. He's got influence. He's got authority. 
And uh, Cornelius uh, was a good person, the scripture refers to him. Uh, was not a Christian yet, had not heard all the good news about Jesus, uh, but he gave generously, it says, to the poor, and he prayed often to God. And, uh, and in that prayer, as he was praying one particular day, uh, God sent an angel to him and asked him to send for a person named Simon Peter. And let's just read that first portion of uh, the passage to help you kind of understand what's going on. And so chapter 10, uh, beginning with verse 1, uh, I'll read aloud as you read silently with me. In Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel spoke to him, when the angel who had spoken to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Now, when that was happening, uh, God was also working and speaking uh, to the mind and the heart of the apostle Peter. Simultaneously, this was going on, uh, that Peter was also getting a vision from God because here he was, the next portion of that, talks about that at the same time, uh, the, the following day, Peter up on a roof and Peter is praying. And I'm going to paraphrase that a little bit for, for the sake of time of what's going on, but you certainly can go and read for that line by line of what's happening there. But uh, God uh, is trying to speak to Peter through Peter's prayer time and give him a vision. And he's allowing Peter, saying that Peter can actually eat some food that Peter had understood throughout his whole life because of the Jewish traditions that was not, uh, he was not supposed to eat. And so when he gets this idea, this vision from God that he can go and eat, that at first he thinks it's a test of his resolve that, uh, that he should actually stick to the traditions and obey the rules. But again, uh, he says uh, to him another time, no, you can go and eat. A second time he tells him, uh, do not call unclean what I have made clean. And that happens, it says, three different times that Peter is being told that uh, that particular passage, uh, message, that vision, and Peter is letting that sink into his head. You have to understand, Peter was steeped in, uh, into the Jewish bias against Gentiles. There was a little bit of bias against people who were half-Jews, but people who were Gentiles, who had no tradition of the Jews, uh, Jewish religion whatsoever. There was a bias there, but repeatedly, uh, Peter got this uh, idea, this uh, heart message, this mind-overwhelming, convincing vision that his view of tradition was not God's view. 
And this story actually, I think, emphasizes that we, even today, need to ask God uh, for his perspective that might go past our own traditions, that might go past what we've known and seen and been able to touch and feel and dialogue about, but something that's different than what we've anticipating, to ask God to help us see from him, his perspective. Perspection. Perspective. <laughs> Our problems are often a matter of perspective because our view is not always God's view. Have we not seen the conflict of Christians in the last 15 months having very conflicting views and whose view is literally from on high, from God? We humans obviously can have very uh, fallible, wrong ideas and perspectives. And we need to take the moment saying, God, clarify to me. Help me have your perspective on me. Oh, Lord, give me your vision. Oh, Lord, help me see past the things that might trip me up, the things that might give me a prejudice against someone because of whatever background they have, because they smell differently than me, because they look differently than me, because they have a different economic status than me, because good golly molly, they might be a Republican or a Democratic or for whatever other type of politics that they might name. We, ha we have to have this uh, idea that Christians, those who say they were fully devoted followers of Christ, recognize that that reigns above all of that to say god give me your perspective in this situation the story of cornelius and uh simon peter teaches us several values about having a refreshing vision of of god uh, from god and the first i think is motives peter is not uh the christ follower to uh, ever is not the first christ follower to ever have um problems with being willing to exchange his perspective for God's perspective. Again and again in Scripture, we see people struggling uh, with actually lining themselves up with God's desires and what he's trying to show maybe in a new vision. He had to think through his Jewish heritage, but uh, he probably also struggled with, if I go to this house of Gentiles, which it, the story describes that he does go to the Gentiles' house, Cornelius' house, which is against Jewish rules. He's probably thinking, what will my family and my friends think of me if I actually do something that's this radical, that's this different? What will they think about how I'm worshiping? He's already struggled with that uh, literally because of uh, his following Christ. But here, then he's faced with somebody that's, that's not Jewish, that's someone who, uh, who is altogether completely foreign from what he's ever known. And here, I think the story is telling us that we can have those same type trip-ups. The purpose for our life, though, however, the purpose for Peter's life, for your life, for my life, is not about getting so caught up in traditions that we fail to follow God in new visions, with new songs, with new challenges that he says, oh, follow me, follow me. I can't uh, imagine uh, that we are created for him and then he's actually thinking 
uh, that we are, are a people who are always not going to be tripped up with it because he knows people are fickle. And yet we're called to please him and not other people. I can't uh, think of uh, some things that also about our culture uh, without understanding how when so many people get caught up in uh, wondering if they're going to offend someone or if they're going to get it wrong and they're going to become in the spotlight and they're going to be called out or they have this you know, uh, shaming that goes on in culture. It's, it's also seen in a way how everyone's trying to safeguard themselves. And you see that with companies certainly trying to safeguard themselves with lawsuits. Uh, we have these uh, sometimes uh, wacky warning labels and there's actually uh, something called the Lawsuit Abuse Watch that puts out a list uh, that's a contest about a label contest. And um, the contest is to reveal how lawsuits and concerns about lawsuits has created this common sense warnings on products but have gotten pretty wacky. And here are a few winners from the last few years. A few years ago, the fourth place winner on this lawsuit abuse watch uh, went to a label on an electric blender uh, that had the warning, never remove food or other items from the blade while the product is operating. That's a real, that's a real warning, right? Third place went to a warning on a digital thermometer that you already see me laughing that says to the person's, after you take the person's temperature two different ways, but once you take it rectally, do not use the thermometer to use it orally. Glad I, wore the, I read that warning. The second place award uh, went to a popular scooter for children that had a warning label on it that read, warning, this product moves when used. The first place winner was uh, a warning for a toilet brush label that warned, do not use for personal hygiene. Those are literally ridiculous, I know, but it's occurred in our culture because of an inornate amount of concern about lawsuits, about what other people might think. And we get off track because of all the conflict and the, the things that people want to pull up and to make an issue and to drive and to make some money off of it. Or somebody's done something wrong, well, you didn't tell me to have common sense. It's that kind of ridiculous labels that we find that we are, li we are living in a culture in. And yet God is saying, will you look to me and allow me to give you a God view, not on silly, ridiculous things that really shouldn't even have to have a label on whether or not to use a toilet brush <laughs> uh, as a personal hygiene. But when we're living with a God view, it's putting ourselves in line uh, with the things of God and asking him that we might see past and feel past and experience this world past the five senses that we have when we align ourselves, that we position ourselves and our family and our household in a manner in which we can receive a refreshing vision that can only come from him. Cornelius had uh, a, a vision to go seek out Peter, and then Peter was having uh, a, a significant vision that was causing him to question some things uh, in his past about his traditions and why he might have understood misunderstood uh, what he has thought for years past. In Scripture, the action verb for a Christ follower when it involves evangelism, that action verb is always go. But the action uh, verb for a seeker is always come. 
And I think it's important for us to realize that with Cornelius and uh, with Peter there, that uh, Peter's getting the, the action verb go. Cornelius is hearing that, come to me, come to me, and I will show you truth and healing and vision and direction and grace and forgiveness and hope and eternal life. He doesn't hear all that at once, but he's hearing this message from God. Peter is hearing this, go and be my instrument, my mouthpiece. Go and obey me that someone might come to me because of your obedience. That you might have and listen to a vision from me. And in that vision, then you have a turning point. You see, because the irony is, uh, until that point, of Peter going and list, uh, talking to Cornelius, and it tells in verse, uh, uh, well, right before Peter starts to speak, he asks Cornelius, why have you sent for me? Why am I here? Peter didn't even understand why he was here. How many times are we into a situation and we're not even understanding why we are in a conversation with somebody that we don't know? I had a conversation with somebody yesterday, and I was like, I've not even ever met this person. I can't recite their last name to me. And they are telling me their life story. I mean, literally at the gas station pumping gas. And I'm like, do I have something written on my head, something on my back? Why are we having this conversation? How many times are we in a situation like Peter and saying, why am I here? This moment, this time, and this conversation's happening. When Peter asked that question, Cornelius says, I saw this light, this brilliant light. And he describes this angel visit. And as he's describing that angel visit and the angel saying, go seek Simon, who's called Peter, and he's at the house of Simon the Tanner. And he tells him exactly, he tells the messengers where to go find that person, and they bring him to his house. And it says this, verse then 34 is where we need to pick up. Uh, and read just a little bit right here. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts every, from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but... God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify to them, the God whom appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that Everything who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name. Verse 44, pay attention to this. While Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. So while Peter is talking, it's like another Pentecost is happening. 
it's actually said in so many different commentaries that Acts chapter 2, that second chapter that we call uh, Pentecost, and we have red all over the church, uh, red you know, ribbons and uh, red stoles, and everything is red to, to, to show about the flames of fire and the Holy Spirit falling down. It's as though it's an understanding that it was the Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, that came to the Jews. But here as Peter is talking to Cornelius and everybody that's sitting in the reach of his voice, the Holy Spirit falls on them. It says that that's like the Pentecost for the Gentiles, everyone who is non-Jewish. And so here, uh, as that happens, then Peter says, who can stand in the way of Cornelius being baptized? And he gets baptized right there, just shortly thereafter. I just wonder how many of us might have a vision from God uh, here at the church, uh, at Richmond Hill United Methodist Church, that God might be asking us right now in this important (laughs) juncture in our history of what he was asking Peter to be literally open to a vision from God. Now, to push pause on that for just a second, as a staff and as some of the lay leadership of the church, we've been talking about some things of, uh, of this fall and what might could happen in, in order to have people maybe even come back in person or if they can't come back in person, but how we can worship in different ways, how we can fellowship in different ways and encourage each other in different small groups. But I just have to cast the question out there, how is God asking you to lean in and pray, God, give me your perspective, give me your vision of how I can be a part of that. That, that just like for Cornelius, Cornelius and Peter in this instant, that it was a turning point for the good news of Jesus Christ to go uh, to everyone, not just one nation, but to everyone no matter what color of their skin, red, yellow, black, and white, blue, yet whatever. Just like the little song that children sing at little, uh, of, you know, as soon as they start singing in church. It's one of the songs that we teach them. If that is the case, here Peter understands it at this moment in a turning point, realizing that God doesn't show favoritism, his grace, and his mercy, and his forgiveness his healing, and his direction, and eternal life is for everyone. And that we are called to align ourselves with God, to position ourselves in such a way that we can have a vision from him. And to not only have a vision from him, but be used by him, just like Peter was used for Cornelius, a person of influence that could go and share and have a voice for other people. For the last three weeks, we've talked about conversion experiences. The Ethiopian had a conversion experience. Saul, who later became the Apostle Paul, had a conversion experience. Here we're seeing a conversion experience of Cornelius. The Holy Spirit was moving in such a way as transforming lives. And I have to say this morning... Quite profoundly, God is still wanting to transform lives. Amen. He's wanting to transform not just our life, but people we haven't met yet. People that maybe have never even darkened the door of a church. And God is saying, might you listen to the Holy Spirit and align yourself. 
that you might hear a vision that when someone starts sharing something of your, their life, they're giving you an opportunity to listen and to be present and to be an agent of the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit might come and fall on their life in a transforming way, in a converting way that they might know Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and potentially their faith. You notice there were people, uh, you notice that the scripture said that Cornelius was a person who gave to the poor and he prayed regularly. How often uh, I hear people who actually proclaim to be either atheist or agnostic. But when something significantly hap- happens in their life, there's this prayer that is even offered up with people who have defined themselves with a certain label. But when they are feeling desperate, when they're feeling like their world is sort of trembling and the, and the rock underneath them is not so steady anymore, there is this cry out, Oh Lord, if you are real, help me. And I do believe that those of us who are Christians, who follow the way, the truth, and the life, that we are called to be the person that can say, yes, he is real, and yes, he can transform heartbreaking, devastating, desperate situations into something so significantly better and different. I just hope that it is as the Holy Spirit moves in my life that I'll have the attuneness to realize, God, if I don't have your perspective, your God view here, oh Lord, speak to me, not just in a still small whisper, speak to me loudly. Have you prayed that lately? Have you ever prayed that? God, speak to me that you might have the Holy Spirit move in your life and have a vision in your life for this coming fall as we move into August, September, October, that come what may, we might know God is ever-present, ever wanting us to have a new vision. Let's go to him in prayer. God, what a... Amazing story to look into the life of Cornelius and how you came to him in a vision and how he literally was seeking after you, following the instructions to seek out Peter. Thank you, O God, that we can look at how he was seeking you. Thank you, O God, that Peter was willing to be your vessel and to be your mouthpiece. Because of that, O Lord, how the Holy Spirit came and transformed lives. O Father, may that happen here. May that happen in those of us who are believers and fully devoted followers of you. May we realign and attune ourselves to the voice of your Spirit. The things like that won't be something that we just read, but something we experience. God, thank you. 
for your grace and for your mercy. Thank you that you're a God that gives us second chances and third chances and that we, we have stopped aligning ourselves with you and have just gone our own way and have become blinded by the culture or blinded by our, our own selfishness and, and, and fear or anger or whatever it might be. Thank you, O oh God, that you continually seek after each one of us until we yield to you again. Father, may we learn from this story that we too might have a vision from you. We pray this in the name of Jesus.